by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. listening to Armitage on the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show, where over the course of the next hour, you'll hear music that you should hear on the radio, but don't. appropriate after playing the Rockaway Beach intro that I should turn my attention to the Ramones 40th anniversary debut album box set which was released last Friday. A certain singer for the Phobics posted a picture of his copy on Facebook last Saturday which resulted in much wailing and gnashing of teeth on my part as mine hadn't arrived yet but the one earmarked for me is far superior to Tom's as I ordered mine from the States which means that it was shipped from New York City so the air trapped inside the pages of the book are bona fide Ramones air and not bog standard British air from some Amazon warehouse in Croydon as you can tell I wasn't jealous in the slightest. So, what's on offer? Unfortunately, there isn't a box of Kleenex in sight. However, spread over three CDs, we have the original album in glorious stereo and then superb mono on disc one. The second CD features two singles in both mono and stereo, 13 demos, seven of which are previously unreleased, along with the uncensored version of Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World. With the third disc reserved for both live sets, the Ramones played at the Roxy on the 12th of August 1976. There is a 12-inch vinyl LP of the debut album once again, as with the second half of CD1 in mono. It's this part of the collection that really interested me. Yes, the live sets are fantastic, but nothing can quite touch its alive, and for the uh, latter part of their career, loco live. Now, Unlike CD versus vinyl, we weren't lied to about the benefits of recording in stereo, but sometimes, like the whole of the Beatles' back catalogue, all the time and effort was put into the mono mixes. Never was a band so suited to mono than the Ramones, and on vinyl, so it's a win-win situation. It's not a case of just having all the tracks bang in the middle, it's about levels and being the right balance. Now, I dare not even think about how many times I've played the original LP. But by the state of the dog-eared spine, which has become unreadable, I would put the figure in the thousands. Even the remastered expanded CD that came out in 2001 and the All the Stuff and More Volume 1 that was released in 1990 have seen more than their fair share of laser action. But nothing prepared me for the mono LP. I felt like I could crawl into the actual music, especially on Now I Want to Sniff Some Glue. Tommy's drums still sound ear-piercing tight. 
but I felt like I was listening to a whole new album. But don't take my word for it. One, two, three, four. Now I want their Live at the Hollywood Bowl album has just been released for the first time on CD off the backbeat of the Ron Howard film Eight Days a Week of the Touring Years, uh, which is at your local multiplex as I speak. I was a bit gutted as I saved a CD to my iTunes library because I seem to have mislaid all my mono digital Beatles albums. Obviously, I have them on vinyl, so I can therefore play them at home, but not on my pocket digital music player. I have looked in the two backup folders but to no avail remember if it doesn't exist in three places it doesn't exist at all i remember when live at the hollywood bowl originally came out in 1977 watching the tv advert for it some black and white silent film of a stagecoach being robbed by a highwayman even with punk in full swing the lp still sold shed loads i'm sure you're all aware that when the Beatles were touring, there was no such thing as monitors or fold-back speakers. If you weren't on top of the guy playing next to you, all you could hear was you. Coupled with thousands of screaming kids that made jet planes inaudible, you were on a hiding to nothing. Fortunately, Hamburg and its eight-hour sets had made the Beatles almost telepathic. The new version of Live at the Hollywood Bowl has been taken from recently discovered three-track recordings that have been languishing in Capital records vaults that were deemed better quality than the original 1977 masters as much as i love the beatles after all they were the first of my three all-time life-changing bands the songs at the beginning sound rather pedestrian opener twist and shout doesn't hit home like it did as the closing song from the band's debut she's a woman dizzy miss lizzie and even ticket to ride failed to ignite it wasn't until can't buy me love that i felt i could put back my live at the star club lp during the chorus of things we said today the band really let loose and from there on in it was as the press release said the closest you can get to being at the height of beatlemania playing the album straight after the ramones box set was probably a mistake as i wanted them a lot rockier blasting out my hi-fi like the ramones had just done 10 years on 
And if the Beatles were still together, technology probably would have made it so. Of course, during the recording years, the Beatles were never really a rock band. That would be reserved for the Rolling Stones, and that's not a criticism. On top of the original 13 live at Hollywood Bowl tracks, there are four more in the shape and form of You Can't Do That, Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby, Babies in Black, and this one, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Shame they're not in mono. mentioned on last week's show last saturday i popped up to the black heart in camden for the album launch gig of both the role models and bridget west and the desperate hopefuls with forest lawn and from new york with love respectively walking into the upstairs venue i was pleased that the aircon was blasting out cold air but halfway through bridget's set any remnants of cool air had been absorbed by the people packed in rather like sardines, turning the place into a sauna. The heat increased even more when the role models hit the stage with the squirrel ferrying pints of water to the stage for lead model Rich Rags. I think Bridget West slightly pipped the role models in who was the best band of the night stakes only because her and the Desperate Hopeful seem to have revisited their debut album and fuel-injected the songs live, whereas the role models are continually firing on all cylinders. His mom and dad were so proud He played guitar, he played it loud They said goodbye when he went on tour They bought the record at the local record store Leather jacket and ripped up jeans Duct tape shoes and all the magazines He dreamed of a 
from the Role Models Forest Lawn album out on Glunk Records. You just heard I Broke My Back Disappointing You. And before that, Bridget West and the Desperate Hopefuls with Typical Drunken Loser, which is the first track from New York with Love. There is a lot of interconnectedness in the first part of this week's show, which continues with, once again, Tom from the Phobics, who was also up at the Black Heart. After my apologies for not making their gig a week earlier, we discussed up-and-coming concerts. The next Phobic Sauté is up at the Pelton Arms in Greenwich on the 8th of October, and it's free. Uh, in other gig news, the subject of the 30th cropped up, with him at Nambuka for Weird Sin, with me, as you know, at the borderline, seeing sharks. Around the Black Heart were flies for said Weird Sin gig. On the reverse, actually it could have been on the front. Anyway, was an advert for Cyanide Pills, who were also playing Nam- Nambuka, but a day earlier on the 29th, obviously. Tom asked if I'd heard of them, which I hadn't. He explained that they're like the Heartbreakers, but come from Leeds. And they even have a song called Johnny Thunders Lived in Leeds. Well, that won me over. Oh no! promoting Rockaway Beach 11 at the Hope and Anchor on the 22nd of September featuring the Dirty Strangers and the Ricky C Quartet was the ever amenable Timmy Dorella basses with, that's right the Dorellas. The band's new EP Freak Show and first to feature new recruits Stevie and Bish Dorella is out on the 2nd of October on Rockaway Records. The band have just let slip a track from it to get everybody pogoing. The song in question is called Rip It Up and sounds very much like this Sugar bone girls and wild boys, you 
just me, or does Bish sound like he's beating Clem Burke at his own game? I can't wait to hear the other tracks. As I was leaving the sweatbox that was the black heart and waiting for the squirrel, a young guy came up to me and asked if I'd been over the underworld to see a gig. Of course, I said that I hadn't, but he said that someone who looked just like me was there. I did the old, that'll be my twin brother. I hate him because when we were seven, he pissed in my bed and I got the blame, a routine, uh, which raised a laugh. The band in question at the underworld were Power Quest. Apparently, they split up when he was still at school and had just reformed. Now, when someone says still at school, I think 70s, two years into the 80s, and as I'd not heard of Power Quest, come Sunday, I googled them. The band split up in 2013, a mere three and three quarter years ago. Obviously, the guy I was talking to was only just out of his teens, if not still in them. In the bizarre case of six degrees of separation, the band's first two demo tracks, the vocals were supplied by ZP Thart of Dragon Force, who is now the vocalist for Tank, who, as we all know, was founded by ex-Dan bassist Algie Ward, even though he's not in this particular version. Anyway, PowerQuest with keyboardist Steve Williams being the only constant member of the band, have just released a new EP called Face the Raven, the first new material for five years, uh, which I had a quick listen to. Very Bruce Dickinson-era Iron Maiden in its approach, and very enjoyable. So, for your listening pleasure, here are PowerQuest and Face the Raven. <laughs>
<laughs> After last week's show, I felt bad. I might have done Todd Youth a disservice. He might not be renowned for long-term band commitments. However, what he has produced has really impressed me. That's why I'm still gutted that he and Ginger Wildheart couldn't have written more together as both the Chelsea Smiles and the same amount of infectious power pop anthems. After Danzig and Sam Hain, uh, reunion tour that Todd was part of he formed Son of Sam uh, releasing two albums Songs of the Earth uh, in 2001 and seven years later Into the Night with Ian Thorne and Carl Rockfist on vocals and drums respectively replacing Davy Havoc and London May I prefer Ian's vocals having more of a Vanian dancing feel uh, if Vanian was ever to walk away from the damned if I was captain I'd be straight on the blower to Ian actually I called dancing himself. Whether he'd do it would be another financial matter. This is Son of Sam and Twisted Soul. Sorry. 
after Son of Sam were Ghost and a brand new song, Square Hammer, taken from their just-released Pope Star EP, which has received some mixed reviews from a couple of loyal fans. The EP has been found seriously wanting, with casual fans thoroughly enjoying it. Oh, whilst those two tracks were playing, I found my missing Beatles mono albums. They were in a folder marked Beatles The as opposed to The Beatles. Now, a band that friend of the show and Squirrel Associate Arkwright recommended to me after he and the Squirrel saw their debut gig at the Half Moon in Putney in January were Cats in Space, primarily because he knows I love those classic rock bands of the 70s, Slade, Sweet, etc. So on the strength of this, I purchased their debut album, Too Many Gods. Up until a few days ago, uh, I'd only played it the once. It was all right. But then I thought it was probably the best Elton John Bernie Taupin album that they had never written. Again, that isn't a criticism. It's just not my cup of tea. Filed alongside Magnum. Anyway, the band have just released a vinyl-only cover of Slade's How Does It Feel? With guest vocals courtesy of Thunder's Danny Bowles. Vinyl, Slade, I had to buy it. The white vinyl pressing turned up on Tuesday and I absolutely love it. Yes, it's a cover but Cats in Space have done a great version. Yes, it doesn't drift too far from the original. Yes, no one is going to beat Slade in Flame original, but all the boxes have been ticked. So much so, uh, it looks like I'll be taking Mrs A down to Red Hill at the end of the month to see them live. The fact that Mrs A would like them speaks volumes on my perceived enjoyment.
Sticking with friend of the show and Squirrel Associate Arkwright, it's his birthday on Wednesday. That was the 21st of September, future listeners. And as a way of avoiding forking out for a present, here are his band, Flame Pilots, who are playing a hometown gig in Whitstable tonight and mountain.
After a night out with Arkwright last Thursday in Bromley, he told me how Flame Pilot's debut album is coming along. It seems just some vocal and guitar overdubs are required before the bassist producer John takes it away to sprinkle his magic mixing dust upon it. From what I've heard and have been told, it's going to be a great album. Something all involved should be really proud of. Talking to new music, Zen Motel, those missing in action Essex miscreants, have just released Choking on Chrome Part 2 with the threat of Part 3 being with us in December. Uh, with the first part of their covers album ready for the 26th of September. And with the We Want Your Blood remix in June, uh, I might have to recant my Missing in Action status. Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! Chambers. 
That was London's Dead by Zen Motel, which seems pretty apt at the moment, considering how much of the West End has been levelled in the name of progress. The Rats DC played the Underworld in Camden last night with two independent people asking if I was attending. Short answer was unfortunately no, for the very good reason that Mrs A and myself were having our delayed 25th wedding anniversary meal at our favourite Greek restaurant and our daughter was going to her first bring a bottle party that wasn't Tizer. With a curfew of 11.30, uh, I wasn't going to be anywhere as I wanted to be ready with my smartphone to film the sorry outcome. To be fair to her, she's not stupid. And although I know it's going to happen one day as it did to all of us, she took on board the only advice I could give her, which was be careful. Anyway, last night's gig was uh, for the Ruts DC's latest album, Music Must Destroy, which uh, was obviously came out yesterday. Uber Ruts fanatic Henry Rowland sings backing vocals and appears in the video to the title track, which sounds remarkably like this.
once again, our time is nigh. Until next week, thanks once again for listening, and take it easy. Take it easy.